Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. For more information on the Exchange Church, go to IamTheExchange.com. Have you ever listened to a song and thought to yourself, man, that would preach? We did too. The following series is entitled Bible in the Billboards. Today's message is by one of our executive pastors, Ruben Vasquez. Now, we've been doing this Bible on the billboards and everything has a song, and then so PJ asked me to speak, and then I find this video, and it's about just keep going, don't give up, and I'm sitting there going, okay, with, with, with don't give up, keep going, everything, you got to keep moving, then there was only like one song that I could possibly come up with, and uh, it, it's, it's this one right here. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's so not it, that is so not it, but I'm sitting here going, we've kind of done this series twice because we had a version of this with, we have Bible on the billboards and we had the sound of music and I'm like, how have we not rickrolled anyone yet? I feel like this is my responsibility. I will accept this. And now some of you will have this song stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Sorry, specifically Tishan. No, 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 okay. In all seriousness, all seriousness with, with having to... There, well, they got me, but go ahead. Now, a little bit more classic, right? Where are my Latinos at? Because I don't feel like any of y'all really responded. Man, it's a hot one. Like seven. Go ahead, Cody. Come on. No, too late. No, no, no. Come here. No, keep it going. Keep it going. Come here. You already started. Go ahead. Show him your move. Actually, I totally envisioned Irene dancing. No, like up here. See? She's ready. I totally was like, I could totally see Irene dancing. And I was like, I'm just going to say it and see what happens. And sure enough, <laughs> you can't play some, some Latin music and not expect her to respond. This is like, I went right to her wheelhouse. So you have Smooth. It's a great song. This was, to age myself, this was one of the, the big songs when I was in high school. Uh, that's when the, the Latin era kind of showed up for there for a little bit because it was Ricky Martin, Enrique Iglesias, and then Santana, and it was all this great stuff, great music. But here on this song, it's about being smooth, everything being, as the song says, so cool, you know? Except here's the problem. 
as we look at ourselves as Christians, that is how we expect our life to be. We kind of go, okay, I, since I love Jesus, since I serve Jesus, since I am uh, working or, or serving, I, I am playing in the band, I am tithing, I am coming, I am being faithful. That means, God, because I'm doing this, now my life should be smooth. Now, let's just be real. How many of you have ever said, God, why? <laughs> PJ goes, last night. <laughs> we expect things for it to be easy. I mean, God, we're serving, right? And so you, you hear this song, and if you've been in church long enough or have done ministry at all, you realize really fast, no, it's not. It is not smooth. I want it to be smooth. I expect it to be smooth. But for some reason, it just won't be smooth. It's almost like, can you tell I'm jumping on a soapbox for a minute? It's almost like, because I serve God, things are rougher. Life sucks. We do real. <laughs> Isn't that how it seems sometimes? I'm a pastor, surprise. And I think that a lot. It seems like sometimes, out of nowhere, when you're the most tired, you're worn out, and you just, need a, you just need like a day. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many of you ever thought, just, I just need one day for everything to go just smooth, everything to go okay, everything to be all right. Just, I need a boring day. I need one blah day. And that's when life decides it's going to punch you in the face. And then as you're on the metaphoric ground trying to figure out what just happened, and you're about to get up, that's when you get kicked. Everyone's like, this message is so not going the way I thought it was going to go. <laughs> He's like falling apart in front of everybody right now. No, I'm being real. Because <laughs> that's where I am. But luckily, I'm not the only one. Because you start to feel that way. You start to feel like you're very much alone. You feel like no one else is going through what you're going through and nobody sees. So you feel like you're in this box by yourself and you have to figure out a way to break out by yourself when the odds are all completely stacked against you. But that's not the case. Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 13. Verses starting with only one through four. It says, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken.
Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that there's people in this room, including myself, going through hard times, going through trials. And I just pray right now that they realize that you have not once forgotten us. You haven't just left us out to dry, but there's a purpose, there's a timing, and there's an answer. And we may not see it now, but we will. And I just pray that this message brings encouragement to the body. And that, God, I pray that for the rest of this, that I am not speaking one word, but it's your Holy Spirit speaking only through me. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. Now, in Psalms 13, this is David, King David. Now, let's kind of go in to David's life. Let's get some context of who this guy is that's saying, God, pretty much, where are you? Uh, why? So here's David. In the Bible gives him, he's the only one with the title, a man after God's heart. Okay, so he's a man after God's heart. Uh, to kind of, in case you don't know anything about him, he's this huge worshiper. He would spend days out uh, watching the sheep, just pretty much writing music. He, he wrote a lot of the psalms, a lot of the praise, a lot of the worship uh, that the Israelites have. And one of the, um, this is also the guy who slayed Goliath. So this is this David and Goliath, go figure. And then uh, the other big thing about him is that when he becomes king, he really pushes Israel towards God. He's a righteous king. He's always caught in prayer. Uh, he's always repenting. He's always just trying to be right with God. So here is a guy considered the man after God's own heart. And yet in this Psalms, he writes four times, how long? How long, God? We've asked that. I've asked that. How much longer do I got to go through this, bro? <laughs> yeah. Let's go back and look at David's life. Man after God's own heart, okay? Let's hold on to that. So um, first, he is disliked by his father. We know, kind of, we kind of see some of this because when Samuel comes to anoint, God says, hey, one of the children of Jesse is going to be king, he goes and says, hey, let me see all your kids. And you would think when a guy walks in and says, hey, one of your children will be king, you would line them all up as fast as you can, right? You'd just be like, oh, yeah. And he lines them all up except David. And to the point where Samuel gets through the whole line and goes, this is not it. And then he has to go, well, there's the, the redhead out in the field. Not David, the redhead. Even back then, they were getting joked. As he's being a shepherd, which that's the job that nobody wants. It's considered one of the worst jobs, which would make sense. You sit out in a field with big, smelly, dumb sheep. Your job is to keep them all together. As he's out there, a bear shows up. I don't know about you, but I've seen some of y'all when a spider shows up. You ain't handling a bear. <laughs> Yesterday, my daughter is sitting there, tell, and she tells me this. I kid you not. She goes, Dad, when we went to the football game, that was like 
nightmare. And I'm like, baby, really? And I'm like, you're really telling me that's it? She goes, it's one of the worst nightmares of my life. I am not glad the NFL is back. Which is weird because I have her who completely hates football and David who's now like getting in a stance all the time. I'm like, okay, at least I got one of them. And I go, really? No. She goes, well, actually, that's the second worst nightmare of my whole life is, being, is getting, getting stuck going to a football game. And I said, well, if it's the second, what's the first? And without fail, I go, so what's the first? Spiders. That's it. I was like, spite? What? So I've seen it. Let, he has a, lot, or a bear show up. And he kills the bear. That makes him certified bad mamma jamma. But then it's like life says, oh, you took out the bear. Let me one-up it. Now I'm going to bring a lion. Nah. Nah. Lion or bear show up and I'm a shepherd? Uh, go ahead. Uh, you can go ahead and fire me. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I agree with that firing. It's just not going to happen. Goes through that. Has Goliath. Yeah, he beats Goliath, but it's still a giant. I don't care who any of you are. I will pee myself. Then he beats Goliath. So this king says, okay, now you can marry my daughter. And so, because that was part of the thing, whoever defeats Goliath is going to get to marry my daughter. And so he, woohoo, he does it. And what's crazy is that at the time, they predict that he's around 13 years old. So imagine a 13-year-old, he's like, I'm married. But as he's serving the king, serving the king, not talking trash, serving. It would say that, that evil spirits would haunt Saul and that the only way for Saul to have peace is that David would play the harp and that would bring him peace, okay? So here he is serving the king to help him go through these evil torments and twice the king throws a spear at him. Once again, I don't know about you, but after the first one, that spear's coming back. No, 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 we're not going to play this game. You're throwing spears, I'm throwing back. It happens to him twice. Then because of all this, he has to live in exile because he runs away because of fear of his life. Saul hunts him down. Multiple times he actually catches Saul. There's actually, we have two recordings where it's like the first one, it, okay. the first time that we get that Saul's hunting him down and David kind of finds him, He's asleep, and he takes some, like, pitchers of water. And he's like, look. He comes back later, and he's like, look what I had. I could have killed you. You're seeing a lot of my character. At that point, if I'm Saul, I'm going, nope, I'm done. That dude could have killed me. Second time is a funnier story because it says that he has to go to the bathroom, and he goes into a cave, and it happens to be the same cave that David's hiding in. Now, I don't know about you, but in the story, it says that David cuts a piece of his robe. That means he was going to the bathroom for a while. Not the first, not number one. So now think about this. I go into the cave, do my business, come out, and then here comes David holding a piece of the robe going, I could have. Yeah, I'm done. And at that point, he actually was done. But all, like for years, he lives in exile. Then he can't even go back, even though Saul's like, okay, I'm done. So he can't even go back to his own country. For what? I don't know. Because people like him. 
People, Saul became jealous of David, and that's why he has to live in exile. He did nothing wrong. Then he gets the kingdom. And as he's king, his son Amnon, now this is where things, one of God, why? His son Amnon falls in love with his half-sister Tamar. Amnon rapes Tamar. Then another one of David's sons, Absalom, gets mad and kills Amnon. If you thought your family was jacked up. So he has to live through a raping of one child by his other child, which is murdered by another child. Then that same son, Absalom, who kills Amnon, rebels and takes over his father's kingdom. Because he's like, I can do better. And what's crazy is now, think about this. David, people are going, let's make David king right now. Let's do it. And, and even David's going, no, no, no. This is Saul's kingdom. This is the Lord's anointed. We won't touch him. Even when people were going, hey, this dude's out to kill you. Let me kill him. No, we will not touch the Lord's anointed. He's done everything right. Everyone wants David to be king. He says, no, Saul is king. Then his son shows up and says, hey, I should be king. And does everything that David could have, but David did the right way. His son goes in the same situation and does it the wrong way. Do you see the irony? Can you imagine him looking at God going, dude, okay, so like, I did it your way. I did it your way, God. And you would think that that would translate to my son. But instead, he does everything I could have to me. And I've lost the kingdom again. When God promised David, you will be king. Remember, it all, this whole story starts with Samuel showing up saying, one of your kids will be king. And then during that rebellion, that son is killed. So here's a guy uh, entitled, man after God's own heart. But if I was just to tell you that story, you're not going to say, oh yeah, that's a man after God's own heart. Everything's going wrong. You would probably come back with, this dude must have a whole lot of sin in his life. Now here's the problem. As we go through things, then we start feeling that same way. Well, I must have made God mad. I must have made God, oh, I must have, I must have, God's mad at me. And then you start playing the, what did I do? What did, what did I do? I don't, I don't understand, like, you know, I've been, I've been listening to Pastor Jared's message. I've been go, he's been giving the altar calls. And even when I miss, I'm listening to the podcast and I'm tithing and I'm doing all. Man, I'm, what did I do wrong, God? David, man after God's own heart. Here is the issue. It is not a God problem. It is our own mentality problem. 
Because our assumption, our assumption is if I love God, serve God, do what God says, then God in return puts this umbrella and puts me in a bubble where nothing can touch me, nothing can hurt me, nothing's going to bother me. He's only going to give me money. My kids are all going to listen. And everything's going to be perfect. That's the assumption. But that does not make us smooth. Smooth is not about easy. So let's kind of go back to the, the song, okay? Because it's a smooth song, got a lot of, like I said, Latin flavor, feels good. So if the guys in the back can hit the instrumental for me, I just want you to listen to the instrumental of Santana and his sick guitar playing as they start doing the look at me, look down, look me, look down, look me, look down. That's the international sign of whoops. Something's wrong. <laughs> it's funny as I just see Jose's head in the sound booth. I'm like, what are you, what are you looking at me for? Let's <laughs> forget about it. guitar solo, right? right? Well, we have a sick guitar player, right? right. So, Pastor Eddie, why don't you come up here real fast? I even told him, I said, hey, heads up, I'm setting you up for failure today. And he goes, what? And I'm like, I purposely knew for weeks I was going to ask you to play this song, but I wanted to wait till this morning. And he goes, what? And I'm like, yep, because I know you. If I said, hey, you need to play this song, what are you going to go do? He's like, I'd practice. And I was like, nah, nah. No, 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 not today. Not today. I believe in you. No practice. So I asked him I, earlier at 930, I said, hey, can you play me some Santana in front of everybody? And he just gave me that face. So at your... When you're ready. At least give him some heads up. I feel like that's fair. in podcast land I just got a I hate you it's okay Eddie we do I'm sorry 
Can you think you can get any of that instrumental? <laughs> Y'all give it up for Pastor Eddie. Now, we all know, thanks, buddy. We all know that Pastor Eddie is a sick guitar player. We've heard him just jam. We have literally said in staff meeting, hey, we need more jamming from you specifically on the electric guitar because that's just nasty. And yet, here he is playing, and it's not smooth at all. <laughs> now, it was still good, and be honest, let's just be honest, if you said, Ruben, get up there, mm, I tell everyone all the time, I'm like, they're like, oh, you play bass? I'm like, yes, I'm a fake bass player. I look the part, I can get the basics down, but when, then people go, hey, play that bass solo. I'm like, ha, 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 no. See, what makes the song smooth is not that the song is easy. What makes the song smooth is that it's hard, and he makes it look and sound easy. Being smooth as a Christian does not mean that you have no trials in your life. It's how you handle those trials that make you smooth. Because guess what? If the man after God's own heart can lose a kingdom twice, once before he even gets it, his family is killing his own family and raping each other, then why do you expect for everything to go perfect, no situations whatsoever. If anything, what I said earlier actually means something when I said that it almost seems like things get worse. You know why? Because when you are doing, when you're just living for the world, you're not living for God, then why should the enemy mess with you at all? They're just going to be like, sweet, I got them. They're already in captivity. You don't attack people already in chains. You attack the enemy. You attack the ones you're worried about. One thing that God has shown me is that every time you, you get those thoughts, of, I, I want to word this very carefully, because you get those thoughts of like, I'm not good enough, what am I doing? Pretty much lies from the enemy. The Lord has taught me when you start hearing those, think the exact opposite, and now you know the truth. So when I start going, I ain't going to make it. I ain't good enough. This is not happening. And then God goes, now what's the opposite? Devil accidentally told you the truth. Life is not easy. Life is hard. Now, like I said, we do real, and some of you may go... Maybe I'm, I'm about to be self-serving. No, I'm just going to show you that even us as pastors are weak sometimes. That we struggle just like everybody else. The difference is, is how we handle the struggle. And even sometimes the struggle still kicks our butt. <laughs> this year, so you've got to think, for me, let me back up. 2015 was one of the hardest years of my life. We were starting the church. At the same time, I'm trying to adopt a little boy, and it's this huge, huge fight. In November, we adopt him. It's official. He's ours. It's over. Thank God. So I'm thinking, okay, 
God, this was one of the worst years of my life. So since I made it, this shows you how we try to dictate what God's doing. So I'm like, okay, so since I made it, that means 2016 is going to be pretty easy. Because I've just gone through two years of hell. 2015, really bad. So there's no way 16, you do that whole and there's no way it can get worse. Here's my 2016. Like, I see those memes of like, how's your, how's your 2016 going? I'm like, that's me. My family has been pay cut three times. Mine, over half. Yeah, imagine that conversation. Just sitting with the boss. Hey, we're going to do all this stuff. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah, I like that. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, except, uh, we're, you know. Huh? David. <laughs> I just got to follow me here. Some of you are going to think I'm a parental. I have not once ever claimed I'm parent of the year. David, our two-year-old at the time, two, most of 2000. 16. You know that terrible two? He like found the level above, which is like unappropriate church words, two. It was nuts. Still is kind of nuts. He's so, ooh, the stubbornness level that we're dealing with this child. That a whole, the dude was just all over the place. And granted, we, you know, we're talking to his doctors and like, listen, a lot of this has to do with the fact that he's, he was so developmentally behind, so he's not where he's supposed to be. You know, so as we're entering twos, his mind is in terrible twos, but his body isn't like, I'm still one and a half. And so when his body finally caught up, his brain was like, well, now let's make up for stuff. He locked my wife out of the house the other day. I get a phone call, come save me. And I'm like, what is going on? He's like, your son has locked me out of the house. She went out to the backyard. He grabbed the chair, pushed it to the door, locked it. And then as she's looking at him, he's just, <laughs> he's like trying to open the door, realizes it's locked. And then it's the whole thing of even if I do get the door open, he's sitting on, he's standing on a chair in front of the door. You have to go in. So you got to hit him. So she's like, I can't get out. That's my son. <laughs> Granted, that story's funny, but he's got a few others where you're like, that's not funny at all. <laughs> he's going crazy. So then, okay, so I'm dealing with that. My kids are going nuts. My finances are going to poop. That's a good way to put it. So then my wife and I, we pray and we say, God, what do we do? Because one of the things that I did not want, okay, and some of you may get upset with me, but just realize I'm going to do what my heart says. I'm going to do what I feel like God's saying. I go and I pray and I say, God, do I need to just quit this job that's cut my pay real bad and go and get a different one, a full-time job because they move me down to part-time. So the benefit is I can be at the church more. I can do more things for the church. And that was huge for me. I was like, okay, well, at least that's, there's the positive. Maybe, that's, maybe this is God. And I sat there and I prayed. And God says, no, you need to pursue the church. Keep pushing the church. Keep advancing my kingdom, okay? So before any of y'all judge, I'm listening to what God said. So I have this no money. So I sit there and I go, what do we do? My wife and I pray and we have this, we get this idea, you know, and we talk with TJ and it's this whole thing of let's start a t-shirt printing business. That's cool. We 
find this machine. It's the latest in technology. It's going to be great. We do all the approval, and we get approved for getting this machine. So once this machine shows up, everything's going to be fine. We're going to be selling t-shirts like crazy. We order it beginning of July. They tell me it'll be here end to mid-August. Awesome. It's October, and it's not here. Because apparently, when I went for the latest and greatest in technology, they had updated so much on their machine that when they said, oh, here's Rubens, we're going to ship it out. The government, yay, said, hold a minute, we need to look at that machine. Opened it up and said, you've updated a lot. And they're like, yeah, it's the latest and greatest. And they're like, that's cool, except you lost your safety certification because you updated too much. In our minds, this is a brand new machine. You need a new one. And if anyone who's dealt with the government, they don't know what fast means. Amen. <laughs> Expedite is a suggestion. <laughs> so they tell my people, oh yeah, hey, you'll have it real quick. Pay for the expediting. So they do. Oh, yeah, it'll be like, you know, six, ten weeks. That's not fast. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, like, and I even call the guy and I go, what all do they need to do? They're like, they just need to run it through some tests and then put a sticker on it. That takes ten weeks? Are they, like, sending it to the moon and back to see if it survives? Like, what are we, what are we doing? They just need to make sure it doesn't catch on fire. I was like, then just send me one that may catch fire and I won't say anything. I can't, man. So here I am, finances just every month. Bloop, 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 just dipping and dipping and dipping and dipping to the point that my wife sends me a text in front of, and I'm sitting in front of PJ's office, and I just go, oh, crap. And if you're a man, you know this is a feeling you don't ever want, to have to look at someone and have to ask for money. And I'm sitting there going, uh-oh. That's my 2016. I joked at the beginning of the year and said that my New Year's resolution, because, you know, you see all these people who don't make their New Year's resolution, so mine was survive another year. Because then if you just make it to the next one, you've done it. Keep the, keep the bar low. You'll always jump over. <laughs> and it's almost like as though my joke, it's almost like as though life said, oh, challenge accepted. You want to keep the bar low as you jump? You know, like that's what I feel like is happening. I'm trying to get over this and just keep getting hit. So I do Psalms 13. God, why? How long? I just went through the worst trial of my life because you told me to. My wife and I prayed, what do we do? 
my wife wanted a second child. We prayed about it. We said, what do we do? Do we go? She had problems with Roe, and it was, it was a scary situation. I didn't want to go through it again, so I asked God, how do we pursue a second child? Do we go where we just have biological? Do we adopt, or are we done? And God tells me, adopt. I even tell my wife, I will not tell you. We're not going to move until God says the same thing to you. Not saying that I'm stuck, but if, you, if God tells you something different, then I will pray again until we both line up. By the way, that's how decisions are supposed to happen. Just marriage advice, right in the middle. We prayed for years until finally God keeps telling me to adopt, and God tells my wife, adopt, and we decide to adopt. And we got this beautiful little boy who, yes, can drive us nuts, but at the same time can do the other things, and he's just so in love with them. So we did it God's way, and it was hard. And now here we are going, God, what do I do about finances? And he says, start a business. And so I go to do it, and it's not happening. And I'm just sitting there going, God, why? God's response, God said, I'm not trying to change the situation. I'm trying to change you. I'm trying to change you. And then he reminded me of a prayer when we adopted David. I came into a prayer time here at the church. And I said, okay, God, now that he's adopted, just we need some peace. We need to rest. And God doesn't say, yeah, you're going to get rest. God says, no, no, listen, you got to understand something. Everything that happened to you up to this point was all so that you could adopt that little boy. I have a plan for that little boy. And I needed you to adopt him. Everything you've gone up to your life, this first 32 years of your life, have been for that moment. Now that moment's done. And I'm about to completely change who you are. You're going to go through a rebirth. I had totally forgotten. Then here I am going, God, why? And he says, no, I'm trying to change you. If you'll just change, I'll change your situation. But until you get it, you're so stubborn. I can't change right now because here's the thing if God wanted to he could change all of us in a second he could make Cody two feet taller if God said (laughs) but God's trying to change us and we have to be willing for it to happen before it can happen All those things David was going through made him keep writing psalms, taught him to keep relying on God. Stop asking God why and start asking God why for me. And sometimes, and, and after I wrote this, I started thinking, sometimes it's not even just for you that you have to go through what you're going through. Sometimes it's just for other people. What's funny is David will never know what the consequences would have been if we didn't adopt him. He went to the beach for the first time yesterday. He probably never would have gone to the beach. His family situation was so messed up. That's why four. Why did I have to go through that? Four 
him. And the people that he will one day impact. For your daughter, because since he's shown up, my daughter has become more of a nurturing person. She's always taking care of him. Now he's always taking care of people. That sounds like God. Situations mean nothing to God. People do. You never see God saying, no, no, I got to change the situation. It's no, I got to do it for the person. God never healed the disease because I got to get rid of the disease. It's no, I want to bring life to the person. And not just the person. I mean, you just look at Jesus shows up, heals people, and what does everybody else do? What? People were changed by seeing other people get changed. And sometimes you go through trials because if you were to lean on God every time you went through something, okay, this is the key. If you want to make it through, always learn from the moment the trial starts to the moment the trial ends, lean on God. Stop going, why me? And start saying, why for me? And now, God, what do you want me to do? Because it comes out perfect at the end. And yes, that part in the middle sucks. I'm just trying to be real. I'm not trying to be gloom and doom, but it's hard and it's tough. But the hardest thing that God has to do is not change situations. Think about it. The Red Sea, what does God do? Well, I'll just defy gravity. Water, go that way. Water, go that way. And it'll be dry. Until the Egyptians come, then it's going to get all murky and it's going to mess up their chariots because I need to slow them down. Oh, you're paralyzed? Walk. That's nothing for God. You know what's hard? Changing people. We fight back. The ocean did not go, excuse me, sir, we would not like to be parted right now. The Pharisees did look at Jesus and say, you're not the Messiah. How dare you? But then you look at someone like Barabbas, murderer, killer, gets set free. Two thieves on a cross. One says, remember me. The other one says, no, people, we are what's hard. And when you go through a trial, when you've been doing everything right, God is working on you. And so for me, I look at this situation and I see God using it to change me. In James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, it says, Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience uh, various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. 
I can get the band to come up. It is the resistance that makes us stronger, that helps us to grow, makes us better people. And if you, just to put it back into that full circle, here I am going through another, yet another trial in my life, and you know what's happened, and it doesn't make sense. Once I finally said, okay, I'm done stressing about it. God, I'm just going to focus on you and what you say, and I'm going to do everything I can to try to make it. To try to do it your way. Once I changed that mentality in my mind, I became more positive. But then I noticed some things started to not make sense started to happen. I fell more in love with my family. Because when you don't have anything, you start to appreciate the little things you have. I realized my wife is stronger than I think. Because I can't hold myself up and yet she keeps propping me up. She's had every reason to look at me and say, will you just stop pursuing your dream and go pursue a better job? Never once. I started saying, God, why am I so alone? Why is nobody helping me? I actually had a prayer time where I sat here in this very sanctuary saying, God, I don't see you. I don't feel you moving. Normally you show up to let me know that you're around and I don't feel like you're around. I feel like you've abandoned me. At least do something. And that night I get a phone call of, hey, I was praying for you and, and God said, to give you $100 for you and your wife to go to Galveston and just spend a day together. I realized I wasn't alone. Started getting text messages and Facebook things of man praying for you. And I haven't said anything. I realized who really is around. realized that I need to grow and that God reminded me of something that he said a promise he had made that I was fighting and I need to change because there's people still in my life that need me then one day just kind of a little bit out of frustration a little bit out of having faith I posted this picture on social media that said, never give up when you're going through trials because you never know who's watching. It was kind of a thing to myself, like, Reuben, keep going, you got this. But at the same time, like, I'm dying. And then all the comments are, yeah, that was for me because I saw you go through it and then I made it. 
Yeah, that was for my son because he saw you go through stuff and he made it. Yeah, that was for me too. That was, and I just saw this list of people that I'd forgotten that I had ministered to at some point who are sitting there going, yeah, because you kept pushing through, I made it. And so here I am, church, saying right now my life is hard. It's not where I want it to be. But I look to God and I say, because of him, I'm going to make it. And I'm not going to give up because there's no way as a pastor I can look at you and say, don't give up. And then I give up. To say, oh, just pray through, and I'm not praying through. To say, just have faith, and then I'm not having faith. This is a literal, follow me as I follow Christ, because I have no idea what I'm doing. I just know to keep my eyes on Jesus, and I'll make it. And I don't know why this machine's coming late. I don't know why God said you need to be pay cut three times. Because like this video said that we watched earlier, you can't connect the dots looking forward. It's only backwards. And one day I'm going to hit a point in my life where my business is thriving in the name of Jesus. Where I'm sitting here going, the church doesn't have to pay me because I'm taking care of it. But I will still serve God and still serve this church and still serve its people. And then God's going to go, no, 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 now look backwards. And all I'm going to see is people who made it because I made it. Who I did not realize was attached to my back and I'm just pulling them forward. Because I didn't know they were watching. To realize that I have no money. So what am I going to do with money? Am I going to go nuts? Or am I going to give? Am I going to find people with no money and go, I've been there here. I told my wife, I said, listen, one of the things we're going to do when this business thrives, we're going to set in our budget a give account. It's just money that we're going to put in an account, and every time we find an opportunity to give it away, we will. When someone goes, man, I just, my car broke down. Here you go. This happened. Here you go. I've looked at my buddy Jose, and there's been a few times he's like, man, I need to go see my family, but I don't got the money. And I've sat there, and I've said, God, when that account shows up, I'm just going to be like, here you go. I'm just going to bless. Because I know what it's like to have nothing. To wonder if I'm going to make it to the next payday. But I still don't have the full picture, and I won't until the end. And for you, one day, You'll look back. And I say this as accurately as I could possibly say it. You'll almost be happy it happened. I'm happy that we adopted our son and I'm happy with the way it came out. But if you said, hey, will you, are you willing to go through all that again? Nope. Push me to the edge, man. But I look backwards and go, worth it worth it, worth it. And I'll look back at the last few years of my life and I'll say, 
worth it. Even if it was just for this person. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what battle you're facing. God sees. Listen to me right now. God sees where you're at and sent this guy to tell you, I've noticed and I'm moving. You just don't see it yet. I'm changing an important piece of you. I'm making this part better and I'm taking this part away. I'm taking away the part that does not work. But I'm there. And I love you. And just like sometimes with our children, we let them learn the hard way because that's the way they'll learn. We can't always do things for our kids. And God's sitting there going, I can't do this for you because need to develop. You need to grow. I need to show you something. I feel something in my spirit. I know it's going to be a little different, a little weird. Elena, come up here. Husbands, I want you to grab your wife's hand. Because you guys know what's happening. You guys know what's, what you're going through. One of the things that Elena has told me is that she really likes it when I pray for her. The Bible says that we're the priests of the household. that there's people in here you're going through stuff and maybe some of your life is great right now and you pray it stays that way and stay there as long as you can but instead of just having a general prayer time or whatever husbands I want you to pray over whatever that situation is with your wife over them because sometimes it helps from the ladies to hear the husband declare God's promises. It brings them strength. Because men, you don't realize how much she props you up. I didn't. Until I was falling down and she's the one holding me up. But God had to show that to me. So if we can do that right now, and if life's good, then you pray, God, then you just pray for blessings. You pray for advancement, favor, Thank God for this time of peace. But if you're going through a trial, then pray with each other right now. Is that okay? Let's do that. Husbands, pray for your wives. 
Well, praise the Lord. What a powerful word. God is so good just to, to speak to us. Uh, how many believe that God loves us? I was, I was reading this last week. There's a story in the Bible in Mark chapter 5. And I'm going to ask for the our ushers to come up here. We're going to prepare to, to give here at the closing of the service. And, in, and you know, it's just so awesome because I believe there's always a word inside the word. And as Pastor Reuben was, was speaking this morning, God was just speaking specifically, personally to our hearts. Amen? I could hear it. I could hear just people agreeing like, wow. And I was like, man, Pastor Reuben, that is so awesome. God is speaking to somebody right now. And I was reading in Mark chapter 5, and there's a, there's a story about how the disciples and Jesus have been ministering. They're, they're really tired. And it's, it's kind of like what Pastor Reuben was talking about. Man, when life just kind of beats you down, you're just really tired. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says, uh, let's go. Let's go to the other side. And so get, they get in this boat, and many of you know the story. He, he, he goes to sleep in the bottom of the boat. But there's a purpose to the reason that he's going to where he's going. Everybody say purpose. So what happens is uh, they, they're so scared of this storm, and it's such a horrible storm they're going through. They get Jesus up, and he, he comes up, and he speaks to the winds and the waves, and he calms them. And, and listen, you read the rest of the story. He gets to the other side, and the disciples are like, what? Why did we leave everything that we were coming from and, and go through this storm? There has to be a purpose. Everybody say purpose. They walk over. Jesus looks and he sees a man that's out of his mind. In, in today's day and age, he would, he would be put in a straight jacket. He would be locked in a room. He would be considered clinically insane. He, he cut himself and and he lived out in the tombs in the in the graveyard and and you think about this guy in in today's day and age he would be viewed as worthless having no value jesus goes over to this guy ministers to him sets him completely free the people that are watching look at this man and they say wow for the first time in his life he's in his right mind the disciples are watching, and if I was one of the Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com. Look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.